Welcome back to the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. This is an exciting year for actresses. After years of complaints that there were no good roles for older actresses, this year serves up some truly stunning work by actresses in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. Of course this didn't happen overnight. But this year we have actresses like Blythe Danner, Lily Tomlin, Maggie Smith, Charlotte Rampling, and Helen Mirren all causing Oscar buzz with their performances. It's refreshing. And what's also refreshing is that the range of roles and actresses is more diverse than we have sometimes seen. So young actresses in their 20s like Brie Larson in Room and Belle Powley in Diary of a Teenager are also winning critical acclaim. It's also nice to see that these are multi-dimensional female characters, not just role models. These are women who are flawed, intelligent, funny, vulnerable, tough, and tender. And there are women directors behind some of the film's stirring buzz, too, like Marielle Heller's The Diary of a Teenage Girl, Crystal Moselle's The Wolf Pack, Sarah Gavron's Suffragette, and Maya Forbes's Infinitely Polar Bear. One of the actresses already receiving awards attention for Best Supporting Actress is Cynthia Nixon for her work in James White. Nixon may be best remembered for playing Miranda in Sex and the City on TV and in a pair of feature films. She also worked with Robert Altman on Tanner 88 and its sequel, Tanner on Tanner. In James White, Nixon plays a woman dying of cancer and being cared for by her troubled son, played by Christopher Abbott. The film marks the feature directing debut of Josh Mond. Let's hear a scene between James White and his mother. Why is the music so loud? I don't know! Are you okay? You're smoking? You have some fun. You called me, you left a message freaking out. Did I? Yeah. I'm fine. Really? What are you doing? You're deciding to do that now? Yes, now. Are you acting crazy? Don't, James. Don't call me crazy. Don't do that. I'm sorry. You know, you need to be here when you say you're going to be here. Because we have a care schedule, and I am relying on you. I am sorry. I was with Jane. I was writing, (coughs) doing things. When I wake up in the morning, either you're here or you're not here. Mom! Your father was never satisfied either. He was selfish too. Here's my interview with Cynthia Nixon. To start with, tell me how you um, came into this project, James White, and how you got this role. I have an amazing agent who really has a terrific nose for young filmmakers, or they're not always young, I guess, independent filmmakers that I might not know about. And she sent me his script, and I was quite taken with it initially. It was a, a different script than the one we ended up filming. It, 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 was more, it had more surreal aspects to it. It played with what's real and what's not in, in, in larger ways than the, our final version does. But I really was taken with the character and with the, the, the story. And particularly, I was taken with Josh Mond, who is the writer and director. Who This is his first film that he's ever directed. It has many autobiographical elements of it, the film. And he's very hard on his main character. Um, we love his main character, or at least I, I love his main character. Right? And I think audiences really 
root for his main character, whether they like him or not. But I think it's a really merciless look at a person and his faults. Uh, and I was really impressed that someone who obviously had some certain things, at least in common with the main character, would be so dry-eyed and so honest to the point of of maybe even making him um you look at you look at Josh and he's full in common with the character but i think that there is some there is some truth underneath how Josh feels about himself sometimes that is reflected in the character is one of the autobiographical elements that he had to deal with his mother having cancer yes so so Josh's mom did die of cancer i think 4 years ago or 4 and a half years ago you know, there are many things that are different in the film. For example, Josh has a larger family than this, and he has a sister. And in our film, he's the the character's an only child. And there are there are many differences, but there are also many similarities in terms of James and Josh were both raised by these single mothers on the Upper West Side, who were both very bohemian, artistic people who who didn't really achieve the, the things that they wanted to in terms of the, the character in, in, in James White is is a writer, but wanted to be a writer, but supported herself being an English teacher. And um, I think sort of her unfulfilled ambition, she passed, she has passed on to her son through through osmosis and through just the love of writing and, and, and literature, but also I think in some way in hopes that he will go farther than she did. We well, used to go on vacations all the time. I took you to Paris. I was 10. I want to go on a vacation as an adult. Oh, as an adult. An adult with no money and no job and no place to live. You don't want to have money. The insurance really isn't that much. I just, I'm just saying I need to get out. I need to get out of here. Yes, you do. You need to grow up and get off of my couch. Get off of your couch? I've been living here for four years taking care of you. Four, two years. Don't delude yourself. And you haven't been taking care of me. You've been freeloading. That is not right. When you were really sick, and your stem cell transplants, and your steroids, and your moods, who fought for you? Who ran your errands? I'm your son, and that is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm happy to be here because I love you. But I need a break. That's that all you do, James, is take breaks. OK. You have been there. And you have been amazing at times, but you have got to get your act together. And if you don't want to talk about Dad, make sure you write it down. It's not about Dad. I don't give a shit about Barry. Yeah, you do. You don't do. Shut up. You don't know. Don't tell me. Don't to shut tell up, him man. to shut up. Yes, you do. And if you're not ready to talk about it yet, just make sure you write down right. your feelings. Write it down. That's the only advice for everything. Just write it down. That's right. There feels to be a high level of reality in terms of having to deal with someone who's ill. So I, I felt like it makes sense that that would have an autobiographical element to it. Yeah, and I think also when you're when you're dealing with someone who's dying, and particularly when you're the main person dealing with it, you're the the point person. I think it's hard to ever feel like you're doing enough or that you're doing a good job at it because. You know, you're you're fighting a losing battle in 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 many ways, not in every way, but in many ways. And so, I think you know Josh's view of of James and the ways in which he feels his mother and some fails his mother in some way reflected the way Josh felt about it at the time, and probably 
still feels about it in, that, in, in retrospect. And for you, what was the most difficult aspect about bringing her to life and kind of making this, the relationship with her son so vivid? I think that I really identify with the character very much. And my mother, I should say, died of cancer in the same year in which we made the film. She died in January um, of 2013, and we made the film in November of 2013. So that was very fresh for me uh, as well. But I think that there were many things that I, I identified with personally and that I saw my mother in, and not just the fact that, you know, she died of cancer, but I think a lot of her values and a lot of her her love for, for me, but also that, that she was a, a, a she was more than just a mother. She was a much more she's a much bigger and more complicated person and while she was thrilled with a lot of stuff in her life, there was stuff that she didn't get to do. Not because she died of cancer, but she just didn't you know, her life didn't work out exactly the way she had hoped. And um so I think being able to to play this character you know, made me feel really close to her. I also, you know, I, I actually wore a lot of her jewelry that I inherited and, and some of her things in the, in the, during the filming, which made me feel and, and look even more like her. I mean, I look like her very much anyway. She's my mother. I'm her daughter. But I think what was uncanny too, of course, the people in my family and my close friends who see it feel very much like they're watching my mother at times. And, but for for Josh Mond and his friends, they actually feel like they're watch, they really were watching Josh's mom because I think Josh's mom's style and my mom's style was had a lot in common. So I'm sorry about your mom passing away the same year. I'm yeah. wondering, was being able to play that role in some way therapeutic, or was it more difficult because that memory was so fresh of her passing? I don't think it was more difficult. I mean, I think it did. I mean, it was it was it was certainly painful. But, you know, your 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 mom's death in the first year especially that it happened is painful whether you're playing her in a movie or not, you know. And in some ways it really did, you know, make me feel close to her. Made me feel like she was still here more. I was doing my best to my own version of, of paying tribute to her. And again, not just her sickness and her death, but so much of who she was, what she, what she imparted to me about her, her values in life and, and how much I, I carry those with me and how much my children carry those with them, I think, because I've passed them on to them and because she passed them on to them. For many years, there have been complaints about not having enough roles for women and for a broad range of female characters, but this year seems especially good for having a broad range of actresses like yourself, but also for um, older actresses like Blythe Danner and Lily Tomlin and Charlotte Rampling. How do you see that? Do you feel that this year feels particularly strong for uh, female roles? You know, I feel like it's it's been getting better and better. I feel like in the last few years, it's been getting better for middle-aged actresses who are more in my age bracket. And then I think this year in particular, but also lately, even for actresses, you know, I'm going to be 50 next year. But I think even for actresses in their in their 60s and their 70s and even, you know, in their 80s, I mean, I... I have to say, I think we're not not on the on not not in the big blockbusters, maybe, but in the independent films, at least, I think we're getting much better at telling many more people's stories in in 
in, in every category. And I think, frankly, our culture is very youth-driven at the moment, but conversely, it, our, our population is really aging and people are living much longer and people want to see that experience reflected. Also, I think people are sort of evolving longer, if that's the right way to put it, you know? I think young people are growing up more slowly, which has certainly it has some negative aspects, but I also think it has more positive aspects too, that it's not, you know, you're not supposed to hit 21 or even 30 and like be, be mature and done. There is this growing sense that people can keep changing and, and, and deepening and getting richer the older they get. And that maybe that's not a new thing, but I think it's, a somewhat of a new thing that we're that we're recognizing it and becoming more aware of it, um, even for people who aren't that age. You're well known for doing TV work for Sex in the City, and I'm curious, as an actress, what's the difference between taking a character to the big screen after having played her for years, and then tackling something that's completely fresh? Is is one easier or more difficult than the other? The thing about playing a character for a long time, not just for yourself, but for people watching you play that character over a number of years, is that however different that character might be from who you really are, once you've played someone for years and years and years, that character becomes so like you. And it was funny, it was really funny to me when I was doing Sex in the City, I, you know, there are certain things that Miranda and I have in common, you know, but many more things that we didn't have in common when, when the thing started out. But if, but I think I changed as the, as the show went on and the movies and everything to become more like her. And she certainly, no question about it in the writing, you know, became more like me. So I, I, I have to say, I think that that's, there's a, there's a way in which you can take a character that's very different from you and kind of, Use all your strength to hold up the sky for a certain amount of time. But once you're playing the character over years and years and years, it's just inevitable that they they move closer to you and you move closer to them. And is that an easy thing to return to and kind of come away from? Yeah, the character that you've played for a long time? Yeah, like, I mean, because it wasn't like you did the show and then immediately both films came right after. No, so- it was great. And, and also, I think one of the one of the wonderful things about this about Sex and City and that's given it such longevity is particularly Michael Patrick King, but all of our writers, how they insisted that the characters evolve. And it was like, remember that funny thing that happened with Samantha, you know, in season two? Let's do that again. I mean, it was always, we were never allowed to sort of do the same thing again. And we were really, our writers were really pushed to make the characters evolve. And so we evolved. I also had a same a similar experience with a, a thing when I was when I was just 20 21 22 I did a TV series with Robert Altman called Tanner 88 about a guy running for president and he was divorced and so his sort of first lady at his side was his daughter you know who was a kind of a prominent part of the campaign like Amy Carter would have been even though the Carters were married obviously but um and then we did that TV series for like a year and then Sixteen years later, we returned to those characters, and my character was now grown and, you know, 40 or however old she was. And she was making a film about her father's failed bid for the presidency because he didn't get elected, right? And so that was really 
Fun 2, which was the same character with the same uh, other characters surrounding her. But we, you know, to, to really have a snap of someone who was young and supremely confident, even arrogant, and then to see her still sort of with the vestiges of that arrogance, but her life had really not panned out at all the way she hoped. And so there was still that kind of overlay with arrogance, but it had absolutely no roots, and she was just running, running scared. So that was, you know, when you get to return to a character, even if it's literally the same, even if it's literally like you played Juliet and then 20 years later you get to play her again, it's, it's, it's really, as an actor, it's an endlessly fascinating exercise to see where you were then and see where you are now and see how, you, how, the, how the character, when filtered through your lens, is, is affected by that. Well, thank you for bringing up Tanner 88 because... We're facing elections, and that show still holds up. It is so, still so accurate. It's surprising. Yeah, Altman just gets more and more timely, you know? Uh, James White is a smaller independent film compared to some of these big blockbusters that are coming out, and I was very happy to have received a award screener for it. So is the, the talk of awards and stuff something that gets your hopes up, or is it something that is kind of not that important to you? But it, it seems like there's some... Oh, it's some... lovely. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, the awards talk about it, and the awards that we've won already and, have, and are being nominated for, and we just um, we're being, we learned yesterday, we're being recognized by the National Board of Review, and that's amazing. I mean, we were just at the um, the Gotham Awards this week, you know, where the show was nominated in a bunch of, the movie was nominated in a bunch of categories. It's really lovely. And it's also, you know, I'm, I've got three kids, and I'm very embroiled in New York theater, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who's aware of a lot of of movies out there, big or small. It's just not where my head is at. So it's really exciting to get to go to these, you know, evenings where 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 films and particularly independent films, but all films are being celebrated and it, it kind of you meet these people who maybe you know and some of whom you don't. And it just gives you a tremendous sense of like, wow, that film is out there. That sounds amazing. I have to I have to, you know, put that on my list. So I think because I'm because James White and, 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 and me and Chris and Josh are part of this award season, which is very exciting. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm already making plans to see all these films, which I'm sure, you know, would, would not, would not have penetrated my consciousness otherwise. So, um, I'm excited about that. My wife is excited about that. And my older kids are excited about all the movies they're going to get to see this year. So thank you very much for taking some time to speak with me. Thank you. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. Check back every week for more reviews, interviews, and discussions about film. Till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie.